From Square Two, this is What's Wrong With Revenue. I'm Mike Lieberman, CEO at Square Two, and along with my longtime friend, Eric Kalis, and co-founder at Square Two and six-time entrepreneur, Eric and I will answer the question CEOs have every single day, what's wrong with revenue? You can be part of the Livecast show where we'll answer your questions every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern, or catch the show on demand on YouTube and on all your favorite podcast networks. Also check out all our audio and video content on Square2 Plus at the square2marketing.com website. Enjoy the show. Hey everybody, Mike Lieberman. Welcome to What's Wrong with Revenue. My co-host and I, Eric Kalis, are going to answer the age-old question, why can't we generate enough revenue to grow our company? Today, we're going to talk about why you don't have a revenue operations function. You don't have anyone in your company focused on revenue operations. Could be one reason why there's something wrong with revenue. Eric, you're in Florida. You've been there for the most of the month. How's it going? I am very tranquil and relaxed. Your pickleball game must be at a new high, right? Well, there's some senior players down here that kicked my butt this morning. So uh, it's a different world out here. Uh-huh. You're right. You're in the pros now. You're in the minor yeah. leagues up here. Now you're in the pros. It's big time. Awesome. I'm glad you could uh, find some time to come uh, participate in the show. For all you guys that listen regularly, you can find the show on YouTube at the Square Two Marketing Channel. All the shows are hosted on YouTube. All the shows are hosted on our website. We have a new section of our website called, called Square Two Plus, where you can get all of the What's Wrong With Revenue shows in its uh, video format. And you can also get all the rest of Square Two's audio and video content, past podcasts, past video shows, past webinars, everything is there in one central place. Square2marketing.com backslash square2 plus P-L-U-S. You can go to the What's Wrong With Revenue page on our website and submit questions. You can also subscribe to the show and we will email you copies of the show after we're done and we'll let you know what we're going to talk about in the show in advance. So there's lots of ways to get involved in the show. You can ask questions on that page as well. We do have a lot of questions today. So let's get right into it. We're talking about the revenue operations role. It's a relatively new role. Uh, it's a role inside marketing and sales, and it's changed dramatically. We didn't even have this role five years ago. Uh, today, it's basically uh, imperative with the amount of technology being used and the importance of data, data quality, the amount of automation that's being deployed and reporting required to make solid revenue-related decisions. This idea of a revenue operations role is now critical. So on the show today, we're going to talk about how we define the role, how we find the right team members for the role, how we maybe consider getting some outside help if it's you don't have someone inside your organization that's going to be a good fit for this role, why you need this role. Um, we have a, a lot of questions. It seems to be like a very popular topic these days. Um, uh, so let's get right into it. Eric, I know you talked to a lot of prospects and you mentioned to me a couple of days ago, more and more prospects are looking for help in this revenue operations area. So can you just comment a little bit on the trend towards revenue operations and how companies need this area of their business supported more than maybe they did four or five years ago? 
Yeah. Um, you know, trend is the key word here. We're really seeing a lot of uh, companies have challenges around revenue ops. So what what are we hearing from the street? The first thing is that people are identifying correctly that HubSpot is becoming a much more complex tool. So when you found HubSpot for our agency 10 years ago, it was a pretty simple platform, right? Just the marketing hub with a few tools, but at least there we were consolidating disparate technologies like Constant Contact and Blogger and Hootsuite. At least we had that going on in the beginning. But one of the selling points originally for HubSpot versus a more enterprise-oriented tool like Marketo was that it was simple to use. It was intuitive, easy. You don't need an operations person. In fact, the first time I even heard the phrase marketing ops was related to Marketo, which is a wonderful tool, but it's so complex, you actually need a full-time person running it to make sure that everything is in order and any changes that could be done could be attacked uh, correctly and efficiently. So... What we're hearing now is, oh my goodness, HubSpot has become such a complex tool with so many modules, um, it's starting to get a bit messy. And that messiness is because three years ago, we had one marketing person and they built a nurture. Now it's broken. We had another person who worked on the website. Now it's a 404. I can't find this page. And all these things are kind of breaking or ignored or haven't been maintained on a regular basis. And that's what the revenue ops person is doing. Now, I could say marketing ops, but the title of this show is all about revenue ops because there's just as much uh, havoc being wreaked on the CRM side. We set up the sales sequence wrong. These categories and segments are wrong. Hey, we need another step in our sales process because we decided to refine it. And that's also what the same kind of person would be doing is fixing, supporting, enhancing all of these places in the technology where things are a little wonky. Yeah, it's a really good point. Um, and to elaborate on the HubSpot piece of it a little bit, you're right. We used to do a, a lot of marketing. So we're kind of technology agnostic. We, a big part of our business is HubSpot. But we also support Salesforce and our, like Eric said, Marketo, Adobe, and a little bit of Pardot and some other things as well. And we noticed a while ago that there was a lot of calls for marketing ops help around Marketo because it was a more open and, and customizable product. HubSpot, when it came out, was very basically like it, it did what it did. And if you wanted it to do something special, you created a workaround. So most people just kind of, you know, got in line and, and, and worked HubSpot the way HubSpot wanted it worked. But this was a couple of years ago. They unlocked some features. They allowed custom objects, which was great because it, it, opened up the door for companies with more complicated requirements to use HubSpot, some bigger businesses who, who had some different things that they wanted done, basically like allows us to do almost anything, which is great. Derek's point makes it much more complicated, which means you need someone on the team to, to, to keep everything running smoothly. Now, revenue ops isn't just technology, although that's a big part of it. Um, and since we're talking about revenue ops today, it's kind of marketing ops and sales ops combined. Some companies do have marketing operations roles and sales operations roles. For instance, sales operations might be someone who's looking at the sales process very closely and evaluating the performance of the sales process and making some adjustments to the sales process. Revenue op uh, sales ops can also be people who are responsible for maybe training the salespeople on how to use the CRM or, or how to um, uh, 
incorporate changes in the sales process into their day-to-day activities, providing them tools like email templates and things like that. So I want to make sure we're not just talking about technology, although I have a feeling we'll continue to get brought back to technology because that is where a lot of the strategy ends up getting implemented, right? Operations people are looking at automation. Automation gets uh, executed in the technology. The revenue ops people are also looking at reporting and dashboards and KPIs. That gets executed in the technology as well in a lot of cases. So we're probably going to end up talking about the technology fairly frequently. But because these tools are more complicated, before, because companies are executing more complicated marketing and sales motions, the RevOps role has become more significant in, in companies that are a little more sophisticated. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think if you're all in on using a tool like HubSpot and you're a company that has a decent budget, RevOps would be a top three or four person that I would prioritize in my, my uh, marketing team. Yeah, again, and I, I think if you have a sophisticated approach to marketing and sales, you're going to need an operations person right? Even to do like ongoing optimization, like one of the questions we got was related to um, how does this role interact with campaign managers? And if you listened last week, Joel was talking about his, what did he call them? Marketing principles, like those people that were responsible for the segment strategy. I thought that was really interesting. Like that was that he really understood the strategy piece of it. So those people were specifically empowered with creating strategies around specific segments or, or target markets, you know, they obviously would be working with the campaign managers and the operations people to make sure that make sure the execution is smooth. Um, so let me ask you a question, Ark, if we back up a little bit, this is a relatively new role. Like you and I really weren't even talking about a role like this a couple of years ago. So how do you think people would go about finding someone to do this type of work for them in, in and I don't we'll get to the in-house versus outhouse in-house versus outhouse later or in, in-house versus agencies I think outhouse is a different podcast <laughs> but um how how do you think someone would go about finding this it's kind of a unique set of skills not there, there aren't a ton of people in this uh role in other companies? There's not a lot of people with the right backgrounds here. How would a company go about sourcing this role for them if they think they need it? Well, I mean, you know, while it's new, it's just another byproduct of sales and marketing departments, right? So someone who, let's say, grew up as a HubSpot campaign manager, got into RevOps, and now they're interested in that. So the question is, if you want to find those people, where are their watering holes? And what I mean by that is that there are certain places now where rev ops conversations are going on. I would start there. HubSpot has a great place. Marketo has a whole marketplace of people, right? But then um, I think there's RevOps.io, right? There's another uh, collecting point of people that are talking about RevOps, content around RevOps. I would start there because if you could introduce yourself to a person in one of those watering holes, then that's where a great way to start a conversation. Also, I'm sure Jess Lipson, our fabulous HR person, could go out and sort by RevOps uh, titles on LinkedIn now. It's certainly uh, mature enough that there would be a RevOps title that she could search by. So you might want to do a little bit of uh, uh, work on LinkedIn and connect with some of those people who identify or self-identify as RevOps specialists. 
And then I guess the last part of that would be the conversion, right? If there's so many HubSpot fanatics out there that love the tool and like working on it, maybe there's a homegrown version of that where you could take someone and perhaps convert them. Maybe that would be a junior HubSpot campaign manager who wants to climb up the ladder a bit, learn a little bit more about some of the technical part, and then they can make themselves a new role. So, you know, you have some options, but at the end of the day, the candidate has the power uh, in the RevOps uh, search because there's so few of them. I remember even when we were talking about um, things like data analysis on a previous episode, right? Uh, marketing data analysts can write their own uh, uh, paycheck these days because there's so few of them that are focused on uh, the understanding and analyzing the data around sales and marketing. So, you know, the same thing is now with RevOps. Over time, more and more people will enter into the fray, but those are the places I would start if you wanted to start uh, uh, thinking about adding a RevOps function to your department. Yeah, that that's a lot of good advice. And maybe we should talk, again, like I don't want to, I don't want to, have people thinking that this is all about technology. I mean, there's a lot that goes into these rep. If you're in RevOps, you're not thinking about your job as purely, let me go into HubSpot and fix something, right? Like to your point, the data piece of it is a big chunk of their job, right? They have to make sure the data is accurate. They have to make sure the data is complete. They have to make sure the data is segmented properly. They have to make sure that the, the, connections between the CRM and the marketing, you know, contact collection piece of the puzzle is, is working properly and that information is moving back and forth properly. So well, to your point about the technology, Mike, one of their roles is liaison, right? They're the liaison between the strategic conversations that the sales and marketing teams are having. And then how does that flow through operationally of which the technology would be a big part of that? Yeah. I mean, that's what we were saying before. Eventually it's going to come back to technology. Like one of the, the, the marketing, well, again, like in some cases it could be marketing ops and come some cases it could be sales ops, but you know, the lead scoring exercise is an entirely rev operations role, right? You know, uh, understanding what makes a good lead, creating the lead scoring model, getting buy-off in the model. And then like we were saying, building the model in HubSpot or building the model in Salesforce, wherever it has to be built, testing it, QAing it, make sure that, make, making sure that the score is getting to the sales reps, get, making sure they're notified properly, making sure uh, the score coaching, changes. Coaching them, coaching them a little bit on what's happening and why they right. should face it. Right. How to respond based on what score they're seeing, which track to take them down. You know, that in and of itself is an operations function that has a lot of different areas that they would get involved in with the technology piece being, I guess, where the rubber meets the road, but it's kind of secondary. They have to build the model. They have to understand the strategy. They have to understand what makes a good prospect. They have to liaison with sales to get that data back from sales and combine that with demographic and behavioral information like it's a pretty complex project but that's a really good example of what would fall into this operational role whether it's mops or sops or rev ops i guess at this point it doesn't really matter but they would have to help with that and then get it installed in the technology which is what we were saying earlier i would think also you know, a RevOps person is not an entry-level position. It's someone who's a bit seasoned and has been around so much that they understand or thoroughly understand operations so much that they're putting it into play. So 
you know, that rev, uh, there's a dimension of rev ops that's a bit strategic also, maybe not leading the charge or developing the campaigns, but understanding enough that they could participate in the conversation about how to enhance or improve or make more efficient the actual operations that back up sales and marketing. That's a good point. Who do you think the rev ops person typically reports to? Well, I mean, it depends because as we wrote about in Fire Your Sales Team today, we're really big proponents of the revenue department, not sales and marketing being siloed. So in that perfect world, which I wish more people would, would take us up on our recommendation and combine sales and marketing into one department, in that world, they would report to the chief revenue officer, right? Or maybe the you know VP of revenue or something like that. But in sales and marketing, they might straddle both of those departments if they're still siloed. They might be weighted like maybe there's a lot of work to be done around the CRM because the company's focus is our hundred on the street salespeople and the three marketing people back in the headquarters that support that. Or if you're like an online digital, maybe your weighting is more towards marketing and inbound lead gen and then a couple of closers that are helping people through the rest of the process. So I mean, they could have their foot in both buckets, not equally all the time, but, you know, it really varies. Hey, look, let's be honest. It's a whole new thing. It's not like copywriters work with editors and that's that, you know, this is a little bit amorphous because it's all still forming in front of our eyes. Yeah, it's a good point. Uh, I think in, in our experience, we've seen more marketing people move into this role than sales people, although I don't think I even ever told you this. When I started my career at Dun & Bradstreet, they actually had a sales operations guy who was reporting to the regional VP of sales. And it really didn't even dawn on me until recently how, pro how progressive that was. And they had, they had no technology. I mean, and this was, I don't know, uh, 25 years ago, maybe longer. Well, wait, hey, let, me, let me ask you, was that person's title sales ops or sales yeah. engineer? No, it was sales operations. It was exactly that. And, you know, he did a lot of reporting. He did, he dealt with a lot of data. Uh, you know, he did things like uh, make sure that everyone's commissions were correct, which probably was maybe more important back then than it is now. That's probably a lot more automated today than it might've been back then. Sure. Um, and he was really responsible for the numbers. When, when, when the regional VP wanted to know how they were doing, this guy, Kevin, he, was, he had the TPS reports. It was, a lot of, it was a lot of like that. Like he had these big stacks of papers that he would go through and give everybody the numbers they were looking for. Now, you know, today, a lot of that he did is, is automated and, and handled in, in the CRM, I'm sure. But it was interesting. They really leaned on him for reporting and for numbers and for uh, to make decisions. How are we doing, Kevin? How are we do? He would tell you 10 percent, not 10, 99 percent of quota. Like, you know, you're, you're almost there, that kind of thing, um, which is not too far different from what sales operations and, and revenue operations does today, except for the technology piece of it. So they are really leveraging the technology piece of it to get more intimate with what's going on, both from a marketing and from a sales perspective. Uh, Kevin is now the president of Dun & Bradstreet. I just wanted to know. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure Kevin moved on. He was, yeah. you know, he loved what he did though. That's for sure. I mean, he didn't want to do anything else. That was uh, Well, that's the opportunity in RevOps. If you really are passionate about driving results, right? You understand how RevOps is a key part of that. 
And I guess on the flip side of that coin, if you're a progressive sales and marketing leader, you know you need a rev ops person to support all those things that you just mentioned. Yeah. Except for, except for the commissions. Yeah. He also liked that he wasn't responsible for any uh, quotas or any performance. So, you know, while district managers or reps were getting in trouble because they were missing the quotas, he was just there telling you how much you're, you missed your quota by. He never really uh, had any, uh, you know, uh, responsibility for how the region was doing, which was always interesting. But it's actually um, a good point to contrast to today, because if our sales sequence is not performing, we don't get enough leads. And then subsequently, the team can hit their quota. So RevOps does have a more active role in achieving those goals and objectives today. Well, does it? Because that's an interesting point, right? Like, if marketing's not generating enough leads, it's not probably going to fall back on RevOps, that's going to go back on the campaign managers, right? Like you're not, you're not running effective campaigns. All RevOps is really doing is pointing out where some of those deficiencies might be. Right. But in a uh, marketing uh, team meeting, when someone says, hey, we identified that the nurture we thought was in place is, is broken or down. Hey, rev ops, per, uh, sorry, marketing ops person, what are you doing about all this? Now they're in trouble because the well, whole team is trying to hit their quota. Well, if the, if it's down, yeah, you're, you're right. But I or think I'm more- not functioning or well, whatever. My, my point being, they're more integrated into the driving towards results than before they were more of like a administrative support role. Right, you're, you're right about that. I think today it would be more like the nurture's not working here's what I want to do to fix it. Go install these fixes, right? Yeah. Then the RevOps person would go in, they would change the sequences, they would change the timing, they would swap out some new copy for old copy. Like they, they would probably install the changes that the campaign managers or the marketing managers are looking to, to install. Yeah, I mean, That's all administrative work and reporting that Kevin did back in the day, technology took all off of that all off of Kevin's right. plate. Right, right. But they're setting up dashboards and then those dashboards are shared. So there's like a common review of those dashboards, right? And I, right, I also they're, see- they're now, they're self-service, right? So if they're I'm- They're self-service. The, right. right, but I also see a lot, and we run into this with our clients. Oh, uh, you know, I, I like this view, right? Like- you know, yeah, I get it. Like, I see how many leads we got, but I want to know how many leads we got by region. Okay, no problem. I got to go in and build that dashboard for each of the regional managers and then one that rolls them all up for the VP of sales so he can look at how the entire company's doing. So by region, like that would be a RevOps job for, for sure. Absolutely. Right. Good. Um, so interestingly, uh, around your point. So they're integrated into the team. I, you're right. And there's probably some common objectives that they're all working towards like leads or revenue attainment, close rate and things like that. But there must be some specific performance measures for the RevOps role. You have, you have any thoughts about how we would measure this individual well, each company is different. Let's just start there, right? So if I have a very, very short sales cycle, if I uh, have a very long sales cycle, immediately those two factors are going to implement what the RevOps person's focus is going to be, right? Yeah, can yeah, you hear sure. Me well? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you Can you hear me? I can. I can hear you oh, well now. Okay. Are you done? No. Did you? What was the tail end of what you just said? I'm sorry, folks. Oh, no. I just said... Um, 
um, how can we measure the performance of that RevOps person? And you said everybody's different and short sales cycles might be different than long sales cycles. Yeah, because the focus of what the RevOps person is working on might be different. So judging them or scoring them would be different in different scenarios. And that's obvious, right? If I have a really short sales cycle, call it a day or two, then the RevOps person might be judged on how fast someone's coming through the process, the buyer's journey, how those are converting, is everything working smoothly, is there no friction? If it's a long sales cycle, then it's more like, how's our nurture campaign set up? Do we have the archiving set up so that the sales team can pull from that? Um, uh, do we have the right landing pages? And then what are the results of those landing pages to get new people on board? So I just think that it depends on what uh, the sales cycle looks like, the buyer's journey looks like. And that's where you would apply the rating of how a revenue ops person is doing versus not. I will say one thing, uh, all rev ops people are definitely judged on noise level. And I don't mean the noise that HubSpot makes when you click on a box. I'm talking about the complaints from marketing or sales, hey, this isn't working or this isn't up to snuff, that's definitely a RevOps person because their number one job is to make things run smoothly for the other uh, folks on the team. You could measure them on the revenue cycle, right? I mean, they are, they're going, they may not be ultimately responsible for it, but they're going to have responsibility for its execution, right? Well, yes and no, because if they're not working hand in glove with the strategic people, whether it be marketing or sales, they're not going to understand what the overall strategy is and how that cascades down to their specific function. So we have to make the assumption that they're working hand in hand with the rest of the team, understanding what the revenue cycle's purpose is, how it should be executing, the expectations that come out of it. And then they have to live up to those expectations that I would agree with you on. But if they're just like, yeah, go sit in the corner and uh, fix things that break on HubSpot. That's not going to be strategic enough to be rated on the uh, performance of the entire revenue cycle. Right. Then you can just rate them on how quickly they fix shit. Yeah, which actually might not be a bad metric depending on your company. Right. Yeah. I mean, I mean I'd that, rather. Isn't that the IT? Like how fast can I get? Kind my of. Yeah. yeah, kind of. I'd rather do it the other way because I do think that to your point on the sales cycle, if they are looking at the sales process and they are helping the sales reps with tools and uh, studying the performance of those tools, then they can impact the sales cycle and they can impact the conversion rates at the later stages of the buyer journey. If they are working on lead scoring, then there is an efficiency component to what they're doing and how they're helping the sales reps and the, making the transition from marketing qualified lead to sales qualified lead more effective they, they could be measured on that revenue cycle and, and, and its improvement over time. I would think, though, it would work a little differently. Like, hey, we're expecting that 90% of marketing qualified leads convert to sales qualified leads, right? They've, they, we've strategically established that metric. And now they have to say, well, you know, here are some of the things that we see that might be uh, preventing those from converting. Now go fix them. I, I mean, a revenue ops person is you know, on their way to being strategic for the way I see it. They're not strategic by definition. And I think that if they're working with the rest of the team and then they're all discussing strategy, then the rev ops person fits in very neatly. But if they don't know what the overall strategy is, what the goals are of the revenue cycle, they're flying blind a little bit, don't you think? Yeah, I think that would be a big mistake if you're looking at your rev ops person, like your IT person. Right. right. Exactly. Hey, my laptop's broken. Fix it. Hey, I can't get on the internet. Fix it. My email's not working. Fix it. If you're 
looking at your RevOps person like that, I think you're making a big mistake. I think you should include your revenue operations person in all the strategic conversations. I, I almost feel like, and I guess Joel was a little bit like this, but I almost feel like the revenue operations person should be at the director level. So, you know, if you have a director of marketing, you have a sales manager, I think you need a parallel person responsible for operations. And all those people should probably roll up to some kind of CRO or VP of revenue. That I think that triumvirate is, is a requirement. And in that scenario, they would be very intimate with the strategy. I, you know, I don't, I don't think putting a lower level person that's going to just fix stuff that breaks, you're not going to get full value out of this role, I don't think. Not at all, because that person's constantly going to be asking why. Or if they're not asking why and they're just fixing it, it's going to be out of context, right? Exactly, which won't right. fit into the whole like beautiful frictionless buyer's journey that we crave. Right. Yeah. Which, again, back to our very first conversation, probably makes it even harder to find this person, right? I mean, you know, you, you, you might even be looking for somebody with more marketing and sales execution experience and a little less technical experience. I don't, how do you feel about this? I almost feel like you can learn the technical pretty quickly, you know, like, especially with HubSpot. I mean, there's so many resources out there. You're like, you literally can Google, how do I build a lead scoring model in HubSpot and get a couple of articles. If you have the expertise to have created the model on paper, it's relatively easy to set it up and install it in HubSpot. So I would agree. I mean, if you're if you're growing that person internally, well, first of all, let's put a caveat on this whole conversation that only the most progressive firms in 2022 are thinking this way. Right. Yeah. We have a young college graduate and they know HubSpot. They manage HubSpot for us. There's not like, OK, we're the revenue team. We're direct. You know, we have a strategy. We have goals and metrics. And the revenue ops person is a director level person that's aiding. That's just so progressive compared to your typical company that we see. However, if you're growing a person internally, I say, oh, well, Mary, she's really sharp on, you know, as a marketing uh, manager and uh, you know, she understands where we're going with this. Let's send her for some training uh, or additional HubSpot training and grow that revenue ops. She's already involved in the marketing and sales conversations by definition. Now they're just adding another dimension to that. That probably would be a good strategy. Now, that's also when Mary is now expendable in her old position and can be moved to a new position, which by definition would mean you'd have a five to 10 person marketing department, which once again, that's progressive. Yeah. I mean, our whole mission here is what's wrong with revenue. You know, if you're having trouble generating month over month revenue growth, it could simply be, I mean, it's never one thing, but one of the things that could be holding you back is you don't have someone in a role like this. So you're not paying enough attention. You're not leveraging your technology. You're not, you know, doing things like lead scoring. You haven't looked at the support for the sales team from a sales execution perspective. You're not paying close attention to how things are working like nurtures. You're not digging into the data enough, right? I mean, we see that all the time. Like people do have HubSpot. They are executing marketing, but they're just not intimate enough with its performance to be able to make adjustments, right? They're just kind of doing what they've always done, random acts of marketing. Sure, they use HubSpot, but it's not producing results because there isn't someone who can understand what's working and, and how to fix it. Yeah, but let's look at the other side of the coin. Let's say I'm a mid-market company with a four-person marketing department. Who am I hiring first? 
copywriter or RevOps person? Well, it's a four-person team. So who well, else is on the team? You have your, your CMO or VP of marketing, right? You have a marketing manager slash campaign manager, and now you're ready to expand. Which way are you going, RevOps or copywriter? I'm writing, I'm doing copy first. Sure. And that even but if they're not, not doing rev ops, right. But even if it's not the right answer, it's see, it feels safer. We need eBooks. We need white papers. We need blog posts, right? It's just the way it goes. And that's why I said like this conversation is definitely uh, more progressive and certainly for our uh, audience today, something to aspire to. If you're a smaller company that's on HubSpot and you have a couple of people, Hey, this is probably on your hit list for, you know, a quarter or two coming down the pike as you start to formulate that. Or can I have a RevOps person share the job with marketing manager? Can I have 50-50? Sure. Maybe there's not enough RevOps work at that level or only the prioritized things are being attacked by RevOps and the rest we just deal with because resources are limited and marketing doesn't get its fair share at the dinner bowl. Yeah. I mean, look, the content question, it's, it's not like... Uh the safe choice, it, it's just a priority, right? I need to create content to generate leads and to drive engagement. So I have to have some, some content resources, right? Yeah. And once again, if I don't have enough content, what's wrong with revenue? You don't have enough content, right? right. I don't have rev ops. What's wrong? I don't have rev ops. It's like all is one big, uh, you know, a uh, multi-layer problem. Right. Right. Let's answer a question. So this is, this, this is very relevant to what we're talking about here. Um, this is from Mark in, what did he say here? New York city. How could an outside agency help deliver revenue operation support? Right? So just the scenario we we're just talking about, I have limited internal resources. I need my marketing manager. I need my copy creator, my content cr creation resource. You could solve this problem with an agency or any outside. You could hire a contractor to do RevOps, right? You don't have to necessarily do an in-house hire, especially if you're just getting started understanding what RevOps does, how it adds value. You might not be completely certain whether this is a full-time job or an in-house job or not. Uh, talk to us a little bit about you know, how an agency might be able to support that. Well, I mean, you kind of listed it right there. You could go contractor. I am sure there are plenty of people that are the rev ops contractor for four to six companies at a time, right? They're thorough with, uh, sorry, they're probably tool specific, right? I'm a HubSpot rev ops person. I'm a Marketo rev ops person. So they're probably tool specific. They probably, uh, you know, devote a limited amount of hours per week, which fits the budget of the companies that they work for. But the challenge with a contractor is that, you're now paying for them to have the tribal knowledge of what's going on with the strategy around sales and marketing. So now we have to pay for them to be in the meetings with our team if we want to get the maximum uh, return on investment for the contractor fees. So that's a little bit of a challenge. Now, yes, if I'm paying uh, for a RevOps person four hours a week to technically clean up my HubSpot and then I pay for another two hours so they sit on my weekly marketing standup, I actually don't think that's a bad idea. When you're talking about using a firm, that's a little different. I'm not sure that RevOps as a standalone offering for a firm is even valuable because once again, the firm has to understand what's going on in the company in order to support that. If it's just straight up technical fixes, like we've identified these three things are broken and we want someone to fix it, okay, but there's not a lot of value in that. 
So I would think that a RevOps person as part of an outsourced marketing team would be of much value. Now I have my copywriter. Now I have my account manager. They understand my company. They understand my persona. They, they help me flesh out the buyer's journey. I'm just part of the team. So I do see that a RevOps person as attached to a larger engagement makes a lot of sense and is probably cost effective as well. And then there are services out there that you could actually sign up for. And for X amount of dollars a month, they'll be your you know, RevOps support person. The only problem there is that I think that people would be a bit stingy with the budget and not pay for that to the extent they want. We just had a client, uh, to use that as an example, that needed a lot of help around um, uh, marketing ops. And they had a new person come on board that needed some HubSpot training. So we just coupled a eight hours a month uh, engagement with another four hours of training on a very short-term engagement called three to four months to get that person up to speed. That's not very strategic. That's more of just like, uh, you know, uh, uh, fixing things and supporting them, but it could be a good solution, especially if your HubSpot's a big uh, bowl of spaghetti. I was going to say our experience with this has been pretty tactical. Um, oh, absolutely. I, that's why I mean, I can add on is better than just a straight up, uh, you know, yeah. using firm for rev ops. Yeah. We've had a number of clients say to us, yeah, I'm not really interested in being a rev ops expert. I'm interested in being an expert at our company's marketing, our company strategy. We want to just have you guys help us do these things that need getting done. Right. We did marketing ops work for a large company on Marketo for a really long time. They devoted a certain amount of budget to the ongoing maintenance and updates of, of Marketo and Salesforce. And they just shuffled a set of work to us and we did it for them and they were quite happy and it was actually a, a good fit. So maybe that's the answer. If, if, you know, if you're looking at getting started with revenue operations and you do just have a list of things that you need to get done, you know, an agency might not be a bad option. If you are looking to have the RevOps person be much more strategic and participate, you know, across sales and marketing and contribute at a higher level, now you might need to find someone to hire uh, full-time to represent that area, do the tactical work, but also contribute to the strategy conversations. Well, I'd like to do a, a shout out for one of our team members, Amber. You know, she's relatively new to the team. She's definitely a RevOps specialist. And we have something that we do called the 13-point HubSpot checkup to get under the hood of your HubSpot subscription, see what's going on, and identify the mission-critical problems that are either occurring or about to occur. And when I've watched her tell the client about what's wrong with their HubSpot, she brackets it by, and here's the impact on your business, right? Not just this is broken, but if your nurture breaks down, you're not going to get enough sales opportunities because people didn't experience the nurture as designed, and that will hurt you from a revenue perspective. So, you know, I think that uh, if you have that strategic uh, perspective, uh, yeah, it's pretty valuable. Yeah, good. Um, so we got a lot of questions about, and I, I look, we said it early on, this is relatively new role. This whole area is relatively new. People are trying to figure this out. So we got a lot of questions about the people and the resources in this role, training, um, how much technical expertise do they need? We talked about measuring their performance, you know, um, what will be a balance in their workload between technical work and strategic work? Um, 
so I just want to talk about this a little bit more before we um, wrap up. Um, I think the best way to think about this, if you're considering some role like this, or you feel like this is missing, and look, I got to believe a lot of companies feel like this is missing because if you have technology and you don't have someone that's paying attention to it, or you have someone like a marketing manager who's part-time paying attention to it, then you're probably going to have, like Eric said at the beginning, you're a HubSpot instance or a Salesforce instance that's not optimized. It might be a little messy. You know, it might have some pieces that are not connected properly or working the, the, the best they possibly could. So you may be feeling some pain around this. Now, it might not be acute pain because I think you might not know what a highly optimized program would feel like if it's always been like this, but you probably have some in, in inside inkling that there's some, like, wow, I wish we could get a dashboard like that. Oh, how do I go about getting that? Oh, I wish we could tweak our lead scoring model a little bit. Who would do that? Like, okay, I guess we'll just leave it the way it is. Like, you're probably thinking about some things that you would like done differently. And there's no one really who can quickly jump on that. That probably would be an indication that you, you could use some help from an operations perspective. And I, 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 I think it's going to be hard to find someone to step into this role. Eric's right. There, there are not a lot of people with this skill set. They're in high demand. A lot of them are in agencies and large, sophisticated marketing companies, you know, like big companies have this role satisfied. Uh, your, your best bet is going to probably be to identify someone in your existing organization and grow them into this. And like I said, I think it would, you'd be better suited with someone with a marketing background and affinity for sales. So like, for instance, like a lot of my background experience was a marketing person who had to support sales. So while, you know, I, I never really sold I was always very close to the sales organization. Like I always knew that marketing's job was to support sales. A lot of marketing people don't understand that. They think it's the other way around. So if you took someone like that and trained them on the technical aspect of the operations role, I think you could pretty quickly grow someone into a really good RevOps person. And, and Eric also rattled off in the beginning, there are more and more resources for this person to get trained up like HubSpot, Salesforce, they have huge uh, resource sections. Um, there are RevOps communities, mostly designed around the software products like RevOps.io, Outreach.io. Um, Sales Hacker has a RevOps uh, um, section in their website. So there are a lot of resources out there for these people to study to talk to other people like them in roles, maybe even to get a mentor from a bigger company who might be doing this for a larger organization. I kind of think if this is important to you, that's the track that I would take is find someone in the organization and then put them on a professional development path to tune up their technical data and operational skills to go with their already existing marketing skills and, and hopefully some affinity for sales. I don't think you want to do this without the sales piece of it. I think that would be a big mistake. There's so much sales operations work that gets neglected. You know, we talked about some of it today, but I think there's a lot of sales 
um, operations work that never never sees the light of day, especially some of the analytics. I mean, Eric, we, we don't really see too many clients, even the, the really good ones who are really digging into sales analytics and really looking at the performance of the sales team at a funnel level, at a rep level, at a territory level. And that's something that this operations person should probably be very comfortable doing. Wouldn't you agree? 100%. Right. So, I mean, that's a pretty big task. That would take you a year to train this person up. But if you could do that, you would have a really valuable resource that would really be helping the company pretty significantly. And back to what's wrong with revenue, a competitive advantage, right? You now have a much better buyer's journey. You have a tighter system. You have more efficiencies. You're closing more deals. You're getting more in the top of the funnel because everything's running smoothly. I'm not sure that a lot of people would equate revenue ops person with competitive advantage. That's a really good point. And you actually bring up something we haven't talked about yet. How do you think this RevOps person would work with the buyer journey? Like what, what's their responsibility as it relates to understanding the buyer journey? Well, I could look at it from two perspectives. One is removing friction, right? Metrics would show us where things are bogging down. Revenue ops would get in there, roll up their sleeves and make sure that it's fixed. But two I would think that the impact of revenue ops would be, like we said, part strategic, right? Hey, in my experience of working with the marketing department, we did this at my past job, which got people from MQL to SQL. I see that's breaking down here. I'd like to put that on my list of activities. Or, hey, um, I see here in our Salesforce instance that the uh, um, uh, sales cycle days have been increasing over the last couple of quarters. I have some ideas about how to fix some of the things going on. Let's huddle about that strategically, right? So it could go both ways, uh, uh, you know, depending on what, I don't know, posture that RevOps person has. But, um, I, I, you know, I, I think it's, a look, good content, competitive advantage, right? Better website, competitive advantage. Um, uh, Well-trained sales team, competitive advantage. I think RevOps falls under the same category. If you have a wonderful buyer's journey, of which 85% of the people that come through that journey are not ready to buy, that RevOps person is giving them all the reason why they should buy, or I should say facilitating all the reasons that they should buy, that's a competitive advantage. Yeah, I agree. Today, and I, was talking, I was talking to a, a prospective client today that has a 1973 brown and orange website. They're so far behind the understanding the experience a prospective clients would have that it's a competitive disadvantage for that specific company. Yes, agreed. And I, I think also you could potentially have a situation where you have um, um, the marketing people are responsible for part of the buyer journey. The sales people are responsible for the other part of the buyer journey. It might make sense to have this revenue ops person as the one person who's resp responsible for the entire buyer journey, right? Yeah, they're they, all the pieces together. Right. The orchestration piece that we talk about a lot, you know, it's, you know, maybe they're not responsible for creating the content that answers the questions at the different stages of the buyer journey. You know, that could be marketing or, or sales. Yes, but, but RevOps could identify that there's a problem with the buyer's journey based on data analysis, experience, uh, you know, uh, reporting, and then bring that to the team. Hey, our, our piece of content is needed here or our existing content is not effective here. What should we do about that? At least they're looking at that whole buyer's journey. 
Yeah. I mean, I, I would think marketing people would be looking at that also, but you're right. I mean, they might not be looking at the whole, that gets just keeps bringing me back to the revenue cycle. Right. To me, that's really, that would be the responsibility for the rev ops person. Make that cycle run as fast as possible and as efficient as possible. Like, Oh, we're not, uh, our, our site conversion rate is a little underwhelming marketing folks. How are we going to fix that? Right. Our close rate is not as a, as high as it probably ought to be sales folks. What are we doing about the close rate issue? Right. So, and, and maybe they're the, the people that are responsible for bubbling up those issues driven by data and then getting the team to kind of attack those areas collaboratively to improve results. Right. That, that, that might be a very efficient way to Nirvana, look at Nirvana. Nirvana. That right. would be right. That would be good. Okay, good. Um, I don't have any other questions. Any uh, last comments on this particular topic? Well, it's not just about this topic. It's in general. Like some of the stuff we talk about today, some of the listeners might be, what? Now these guys are telling me I need a rev ops person. That's a $120,000 a year. You know, I don't want people to get frustrated. We're trying to open up minds as to what's wrong with revenue. We're trying to give people different perspective. One company might go all in on a rev ops person, but then someone else might've picked up a nugget today that, boy, content could be a competitive advantage. Maybe I should look in that area. Like, don't try to just eat the elephant, right? Just cut it into little chunks and make consistent progress through all these areas. Our job as seasoned professionals and grizzled veterans is to introduce some of these topics so that people can think differently about the revenue uh, cycle and then how they can generate more of it. Agreed. We're just trying to get people thinking a little differently. You know, like you may not want a revenue ops person today or even this year or even next year, but if revenue continues to be a challenge and you've addressed some of the other things we talked about, you have a great website, you have a great sales process, you have plenty of content, you know, you, you think your sales team's awesome, like, and you're still not hitting it, you might need some other help in some other areas. Our job is to just help you ask the questions of your own organization and, you know, do a little, uh, be a little introspective on, on what's going on in your company and what might be missing. You know, it'd be great if someone came away for this episode and said, yeah, Mary is my great marketing manager. You know what? I'm going to put in her career path that two years from now, she's uh, uh, qualified as a revenue ops person. So that's like playing the long game, right? And that just came from one of the nuggets that we provided to this show today. Yeah. I mean, you can also have someone take a look at what you're doing. I mean, we do it for clients all the time, for prospects all the time. Like if you are struggling with revenue, we're happy to take a look at what you're doing and be like, oh, here's here's what we think might one of the but might be one of the issues, right? You know, and maybe it is revenue operations. Like you have a great website, you have great content. Like let's take a look at what's going on behind the scenes. Oh, there's a couple pieces missing here. Look, it is a very complicated puzzle, and there are very few companies that are uh, putting it together perfectly, right? If there if everyone was doing this, if this was super easy to do, you wouldn't have. 10,000 digital marketing agencies. Everyone would just know what to do. Everyone would have plenty of leads. Everybody's company would be shooting through the roof. There's a reason why people struggle with this because it's it's very complicated. It's not, it's not easy to do. And that's why we do the show, just to introduce some new ideas to you guys and, and, and help you start to think about it a little differently. And hopefully we did that a little bit today. Mike, I'm going to lay an Easter egg on you right now. 
anybody who listened uh, for 52 minutes into this episode, if they want a free 13-point HubSpot checkup, we'll get under the hood and look at it. And that would be like a function of RevOps complimentary. How's that? That sounds awesome. And you mentioned it a couple minutes ago. Uh, next week on the show, we're going to talk about content. How do you create it at scale? Because that's another issue. You can't do one blog article and be done. You can't create one video and be finished. You can't throw all your resources, all your content in the resources section and expect people to find it. So on the show next week, when we answer the question, what's wrong with revenue, we're going to talk about how to create content at scale. So we're going to really shift gears and do something completely different next week. It's not a technical conversation. It's all about content. And hopefully you'll find that just as exciting as you found today's content. I want to thank everybody for joining us. Um, Eric and I love talking about this stuff. Obviously, we could do it all day, and we appreciate your attendance and your interest in our topics. If you're interested in the show, check it out on YouTube, like it, and subscribe to it. Square Two Marketing Channel has all the What's Wrong with Revenue shows there. You can also get the show at the Square Two Marketing uh, website. The Square Two Plus page has all of our content, all of our What's Wrong with Revenue shows, and all of our other audio and video content in one beautiful Netflix-like location for you to go to check that out. You can even subscribe to Square Two Plus, and we'll let you know when we post new content for your viewing and listening pleasure. You can subscribe to the show specifically at the What's Wrong with Revenue link at the bottom of our website, and you can also submit questions like the ones we answered here today. Thank you for the people that submitted questions. We're happy to answer questions. And if you're into podcasts and you prefer audio content, check out What's Wrong with Revenue on all of your favorite podcast platforms. Today's episode will be up very shortly this evening or first thing tomorrow morning. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We really enjoyed doing the show. And we'll catch you all next to, uh, no, sorry, we'll catch you all next Wednesday at four o'clock Eastern time. Eric, thanks very much. And we'll see you all soon. Take care.